Hello, boils and ghouls. Trick or treat. It's Halloween. Welcome to this week's extra spooky edition. Oh, I don't know if it's extra spooky edition of an hour of your life. My name is Velma. I mean, Kim. And my name is Shaggy. I mean, Steve. So we dressed up this evening. Uh, We had every intention of getting this out a little bit earlier so that you could listen to it while you're passing out candy. But that just didn't happen because Steve had a genius idea. We um dressed up we had planned our costumes for a while i dressed up like velma steve dressed up like shaggy kim Kim planned my costume we got some chalk paint for rupert some hair chalk for rupert and made him into scooby-doo and i got a big old fat black spike leather collar for jack and made him the villain of our little uh our little family and steve had a genius idea this morning to make hot dogs for um, the neighborhood for the adults in the neighborhood that had to take their kids trick or treating. And so we went all out and we made, um, a sign that said Scooby-Doo and the mystery of the hot dog stand. And we passed out hot dogs with our Halloween candy and we had a great time. Kellen made that sign. Kellen did make that sign. She did a wonderful job. Um, so we, we spent a lot of time getting ready today. So we ended up not having enough time to do the show before trick or treat, but we hope everyone had a very safe and happy and fun Halloween and that you got all the candy that you want. Um, and none of the candy that you didn't want. And I had hot dogs for supper tonight. <laughs> you did. They were popular. I mean, yeah. a, lot, a lot of people like the hot dogs. We have a lot. We more- had none left. Yeah, we have a lot more teenagers in our neighborhood than I realized. Yeah. Um, they they ate a lot of hot dogs. Yeah, they do. So not a lot of parents wanted them, but man, those teenagers cleaned us out. Yeah, that one group of teenagers, like, yeah. they went, but, but a lot of parents wanted the hot yeah, dogs. Yeah, some of them did. Also, momentary soapbox. If you are one of those people that doesn't believe that teenagers should be going around and getting candy for trick-or-treat, just remind yourself that there are a lot worse things that they could be out there doing instead. So please just let them have their fun. It's not hurting anybody. You have plenty of candy. If you're running out of candy, fine. Don't give it to the teenagers. But if you have candy, just let them. Well, get ready to get your windows soaked if you don't. (laughs) I don't know if they still do that, but just it's not hurting anybody. Just give them some candy. All right. It didn't hurt anything. Moving on. All right. So this is the last of our Spooky October episodes. Um, We have some ideas for upcoming shows, um, but this is the last in our Haunted Prisons series. So we hope that you've enjoyed it. We were one prison short of a full month, but that's okay. And that's primarily because I had to be out of town again. Yeah. (laughs) But no more. You're here for a while. Yeah. I think. Through December. I'll be, yeah, I got to take off in December again. Okay, well, well, we'll figure it out. All right. So what are we talking about tonight? We are talking about allegedly the most haunted prison in America, and it's right in our backyard, practically, the Ohio State Reformatory. Also known as the Mansfield Reformatory. It's a historic prison located in Mansfield, Ohio, here in the United States. Throughout this episode, we may refer to the prison as Mansfield, OSR, or a combination of the two, or we may just say the prison, 
but it'll be clear. I don't think you'll have any time, any hard time distinguishing who we're talking about. Yeah. We're also going to refer to the corrections officers as guards. And that's just to simplify. Yeah. Okay. So uh, no offense or anything. Um, all right. So it was built between 1886 and 1910. So it took a little a minute to build this prison, but it's beautiful. If you've ever seen, if you just Google the Mansfield Reformatory, if you aren't familiar with what it looks like, it's a really beautiful exterior. Um, it was remained in operation until 1990 when a United States federal court ruling, the Boyd Consent Decree, ordered the facility to be closed. Now, while it was used in a number of films, including several while it was actually still in operation, TV shows and music videos, it was made famous by the Shawshank Redemption in 1994 when it was used for the majority of the movie. Um, later, we're going to run down a list of movies, TV shows, and music videos filmed as, at OSR. But I will say that uh, you they have a really cool Shawshank, um, not like a, a branch, but they have like a Shawshank room in um, when you take a tour of it now, which you, you can do, and we'll talk about that later too. But um, there is some really neat Shawshank stuff at Mansfield. The prison has gone celebrity and tourist attraction. Um, it's kind of weird, though. Yeah, but it's it it is kind of weird that a lot of these prisons that we're ta- that we've talked about or or just you know or haunted prisons, now. yeah, haunted prisons in general are tourist attractions, and really some of the I mean some of the worst of the worst have lived there, and really awful things have happened. They, I mean, I guess that's really any of our spooky places that we talk about haunted attractions, quote unquote attractions. They weren't attractive when the spooky things were happening. Nope. Um, but this just, it's kind of an interesting thought. We have visited Mansfield and if you happen to be traveling near there, it's well worth a visit no matter if you are ghosting or if you're just interested in the history of the prison, you can get a very good sense of both. It's pretty cool to actually walk through the prison and see and recognize where the Shawshank scenes were filmed and shot and but, set. You know, and, but you know, sometimes it, it's a little disappointing though, because Hollywood can really make things look more impressive just by like the camera angles and focusing in on certain objects or highlight something that as you're just walking through, I don't think we'd have seen it. And there was one thing specific. It was the Brooks was here. I think. Yeah. Um, they, that part was actually shot in the prison in the movie in the Shawshank redemption. It is filmed in Brooks's, um, like apartment room basically, but it was actually filmed in the prison and they, you have the Brooks here on one of the overhead beams in the prison, but it's not really pointed out. And well, if I, you didn't notice it, you wouldn't. I was thinking about when they used it as the uh, prison, the Russian prison, there was that one prop they had hanging up really up high. It was not in the chapel or in the, the, the dining facility or something like that. Oh yeah. And it was, up really high and it was like the star in the sickle or a red star or something like that that they it was prominent in the movie but as we walked by unless unless it would the have tour been pointed, guide out, pointed out we yeah. never would have known it yeah yeah the history of the ohio state reformatory began in 1862 that's the, old the field where the reformatory would be built was used as a training camp for civil war soldiers it was named camp mordecai bartley in honor of the Mansfield man who served That's creepy enough, <laughs> who served as it's just Mordecai is a creepy name. Because Are there any kids named Mordecai these days? It's it's a children of the corn name. That's why it's creepy to you. Yeah. Um, OK, so anyway, it was named after Mordecai Bartley in honor of the man who served as Ohio governor in the 1840s. 
1867, Mansfield was promoted as a candidate for the placement of a new intermediate penitentiary, which was its original name before it was changed to the Ohio State Reformatory. The city raised $10,000 to purchase 30 acres of land for the prison, and the state acquired 150 acres of adjoining land for $20,000. Sounds like the state got a better deal to me. Yeah. The entire cost of the facility was $1,326,769. And remember, that is in um, like $1,867. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money. Uh, The intermediate... The Ohio State Reformatory was intended as just that, a halfway point between the Boys Industrial School in Lancaster and the State Penitentiary in Columbus. Kind of like an intermediate school. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was intended to house young first-time offenders. Construction began in 1886 and remained under construction until, like we said, 1910 due to funding problems, which caused construction delays. Now, the goal of the institution was to truly reform and rehabilitate its inmates who received three things during their time at OSR. They received religion, education, and a trade. Inmates were admitted for 18 months, and if they showed progress, they could be released after that time. If not, they received another 18-month sentence. The model was successful, and OSR had a high success rate and a low recidivism rate. By The early 1960s, however, the state pulled its financial support from the reform model and began converting OSR into a maximum security facility, which was a purpose it was never intended to be. It was meant to hold youth. Yeah, and it was a a midway point. Like, it wasn't anything long-term. By the 1980s, the conditions had deteriorated to the point where the inmates actually sued the state of Ohio. Their lawsuit was successful, and construction began on a new modern facility nearby. And when we say nearby, it's actually right next door. At one point in the tour, you're asked not to take pictures out of a certain window because you can literally see the inmates at the new facility if they're out in the yard for rec. Um, The reformatory was finally closed in 1990, and it sat empty for several years until local activists rallied to purchase the building from the state. Guess how much they bought it for? I know. A dollar. They bought the state, something that costed, like, probably the equivalent of several hundred million dollars back in the day, bought it for a dollar, committed to repairing and restoring this historic structure. Now, that was a good purchase. That was even better than what the state got back in the 1800s. Yep. The original architect for the design was Levi T. Schofield from Cleveland, who used three architectural styles, Victorian Gothic, Richardsonian Romanesque, and Queen Anne. The exterior of the building, which is built from brick and concrete, is designed in the Romanesque style, giving the frontage a castle-like appearance. And like I said, it is really beautiful to look at. Yeah. I mean, it looks like the Queen of England should be living there. It's or so at least pretty. at least a place like if she came to visit the United right. States or Ohio. <laughs> like Downton Abbey. That, yeah, that's where they would put her up. Yeah, it's really Just the pretty. front of it. It's, yeah, it's re- I mean, yeah, the inside is not that nice, but the front of it is really beautiful. Now, Schofield designed the reformatory with these unique styles to help encourage inmates to become reborn back into their spiritual lives. The creation and construction of the entire building was entrusted to the well-known architect F.F. Schnitzer, whose name also appears on the cornerstone and is recorded as the superintendent and supervising architect on documents that are found there. In 1891, the name was changed from Intermediate Penitentiary to Ohio State Reformatory. 
So on September 15, 1896, the reformatory opened its doors to the first 150 offenders. Now, these guys were brought by train from Columbus, and they were immediately put to work on the prison sewer system and the 25-foot stone wall surrounding the prison. Schneitzer was presented with a silver double inkwell by the governor of the state in a lavish ceremony to thank him for his services. Ohio Governor Marty Davey appointed Arthur Lewis Glatke, making him warden of Mansfield Reformatory. Um, this was a reward for helping get Davey elected in 1935. Glatke was the warden and superintendent from 1935 until 1959. Taking charge, Arthur brought in many new ideas, like playing calming classical music in the prison, which we see in um, um, Shawshank is one of the things that they do. Glacky so was, they took some of the movie. Yeah, they, they took some of the actual things that happened in the prison and kind yeah. of incorporated it a little bit. Glacky was respected by both guards and inmates and for an operating a calm prison, which was praised by the community. I guess everybody in the community wants a... Yeah, you don't want yeah. a crazy, riotous prison. Now that all changed in 1950. On a Sunday morning, while inside the warden's apartments, his family was getting ready for church. Glacky's wife, Helen, reached into the closet for her jewelry box Feeling a steel box, she pushed it aside to reach a little higher. The box fell to the floor. Unfortunately, it was the box in which Arthur Glackey kept his loaded gun. Fell to the floor, and the gun discharged, shooting Helen. He rushed her to the Mansfield Hospital, but unfortunately, doctors were only able to keep her alive for three days. Her official cause of death was determined to be pneumonia brought on by a wound. There's that was Scooby Rupert. in the background. It was Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Times haven't changed that much since then. And, of course, there's got to be a good conspiracy theory and controversy surrounding Helen's death. People talked. They claimed Arthur grabbed the gun and murdered his wife. It was said he then tried to cover up the murder by making it look like an accident. Others said... Now, who's others? They, them, those other than us. Oh, okay. Anyway... They said the murder theory was just craziness. All you had to do was just read a tiny little bit about Arthur, and you would agree he loved his wife. Losing her eventually, though, brought on his own end. Only nine years later, in 1959, Arthur was working in his office. The guards heard a noise and found their warden on the floor. They rushed him to the same Mansfield hospital that they, he had taken his wife to nine years earlier. But he died of a heart attack. It was said that he'd never got over the death of his wife and the stress contributed to his heart attack. Now, this is where we get our first ghost account. Like many old school prisons, the warden quarters were in the prison itself. Now, it's said that when you tour the space now, you can occasionally catch the scent of Helen's rose-smelling perfume. Interestingly, the family living quarters are some of the cheeriest spaces on the property, but when we went through, I definitely felt the sensation of being watched. I smelled the perfume. Did you? Mm-hmm. I didn't smell it, but I definitely did feel like somebody was watching me the whole time. I kind of got the feeling they made sure you smelled it. I don't know about that, but I did feel, I, I felt watched. It was, it was very weird. Now, keeping in mind that the building was designed and planned around the idea of hope, you might think it'd be great to be a Mansfield Reformatory inmate. After all, it was designed for spiritual uplift, hence being called a reformatory for reform. 
The state wanted these inmates to go on to better things, become active and productive members of society. But remember, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I guess most of the inmates didn't didn't notice or catch the uh, architect's artistic intent. Kind of like when we go see a movie. Oh, yeah, like when I understand what's going on and, and you have no idea and yeah. you don't care about camera angles or cinematography at all. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess all that artistic calming stuff just went right over their heads. Mm. So anyway, once you got past the beautiful outside of the grim reality of, of prison, it was obvious. Tiers of tiny cramped cells. If I remember, those cells were only like six feet by 10 feet. Yeah, they're small. Yeah, in that tiny little space, there, keep in mind, there were two bunks, a toilet, and a sink. You were literally on top of each other all the time, the inmates were. Simple bodily functions had to have been difficult. I mean, just think about it. Just pooping in that close <laughs> proximity to your cellmate. Oh. Like if, if the guy had any stomach distress at all from the wonderful menu they oh. had to be eating. <laughs> okay. Okay. You get the idea. Okay? Anyway, anyway, in 1957. It had, to be, it had to be said to get the picture. <laughs> in 1957, a riot was started by one of the inmates. Yeah, I wonder why. Huh. His little uprising soon got 120 other inmates involved. Guards were able to get the riot under control, and they dealt out harsh punishments to act as deterrence for it from happening again. The guards put 120 men into 20 solitary cells. Okay. These are those little cells, like 6 by 10. Yeah, and these are not like the solitary cells. They were only made for one man each. So these are even smaller, I think, than the 6 by 10 cells. These were tiny Six men per cell for one month in total darkness. If you listen to our episode um, about Alcatraz or about um, the prison in uh, Pennsylvania, the the solitary confinement back in the day was not, it's not like solitary now. It's you literally have it was punishment. no light. Yep. And there, you're lucky if you get a mattress. And sometimes you have to poop in a hole in the, in the floor since we're talking about poop. Or a bucket. Yeah. If you got a bucket, that was pretty good. There was no real plan on who shared a cell. And so the guards happened to pair up two of Mansfield's most violent inmates. A month later, when they opened up that cell, they only found five men alive. But they did find a body neatly stuffed under the bed. Okay. So now, so now I got to wonder, did the guards really put those two guys in the same cell accidentally? Mm-hmm. Or did they put them in the same cell hoping that one might whack the other one? Or maybe they didn't like the guy that got whacked and they thought, if we put the three of them in one cell, maybe nature will just take its course. I don't know, but it's safe to say that at this point, it's no longer the uh, just nice in-between stop on the prison railroad that it once was. Yeah. James Lockhart was an inmate who lived in cell number 13 on the fourth level north side of East Block. James stole a bottle of Varsol, which are mineral spirits. Like I think it was like paint thinner yeah. uh, from the prison furniture shop. He took the bottle back to his cell and quietly poured it over his head and lit a match. Guards only knew it was happening when the man in number 14 started screaming. Probably because the flames were starting to spread into his cell. He used water out of the sink to try to keep the fire from spreading into his cell. 
Now, if you're interested, the guy in cell 14 is featured on an episode of Ghost Adventures because it's said that James Lockhart still haunts his cell. The episode um, is season four, episode three. I Full disclosure, of all of the ghost hunting shows, Ghost Adventures is probably my least favorite, but I watched it. It is a rel- It's a pretty entertaining show. The guards came out, but there was little that they could do besides wait for the fire to burn itself out. Okay, now that sounds a little, just a little bit fishy to me. I mean, there was no fire extinguisher. Mm. They didn't open the cell or throw a blanket over him. But, yeah, you know, I guess, though, if the flames out. were spread into the adjacent cell, maybe the fire was a little too intense and they just couldn't get to the door to unlock it. So this part is a little bit, if you're squeamish at all, maybe like fast forward 30 seconds, a minute. Um, but the guy in cell 14, whose name was DJ, DJ fly was his actual name, which I think is a really cool name. But the guy that they interviewed on ghost adventures said that the guards literally dragged Lockhart down the hall after he was no longer burning and that chunks of flesh were just sort of strewn down the cell block, like chunks of burned flesh, just all the way down the hall. So it was pretty bad. Now, in 1974, an inmate named Larry Harmer decided to take his own life. He was only doing a one-year sentence for damaging property during break-in, so it wasn't like he was a murderer or like anything. Cool Hand Luke was just yeah, it was a one-year sentence breaking parking meters. Yeah, it wasn't anything super crazy. One week before Larry was to be transferred to another prison, he pulled the sheets off of his bed and rolled them tight. He tied one end to the towel rack, wrapped the other around his neck, sharply dropped to the floor, and hung himself. Why did he do it? Nobody knows. No note was left, but there are some speculations. Maybe someone was waiting for him at the other prison. Fear of revenge could have been a powerful motivator, and Larry chose death. Maybe he suffered from depression. Clinical depression is bad enough and is the cause of many suicides. Okay. I'm sure the depressing conditions in Mansfield didn't help at all. Yeah, I'm sure. And uh, Mr. Harmer is allegedly still there. Um, Sometimes people will say that when they are touring the prison or uh, people that just work there will see him hanging from the scaffolds of where he hung himself. So his ghost apparently is still, quote unquote, hanging around, if you know what I mean. Okay. So I guess it's one thing to face the darkness of a prison if you're an inmate, but apparently it's no easier if you are a Mansfield reformatory guard. As as Dr. Phil says, no matter how flat you make a pancake, there's always two sides. (laughs) I think that's the first time we've ever mentioned Dr. Phil on the show. Inmate or guard, there was plenty of stress to go around. Now, Urban Wilford was a 72-year-old guard who was still working at Mansfield in the 1920s. The officials wanted him to retire. They'd tell him, go on, spend retirement with your loving wife. But the former British police officer just wouldn't retire. Well, maybe uh, we don't know what Mrs. Wilford was like. I mean, (laughs) mean, maybe he preferred going to work in the prison more Uh than he wanted to go home and spend time with his wife. Oh, that's so sad. Just saying. Well, one day he met Philip Orlek. Orlick was a recent parolee. He was given an opportunity to start over, but he had friends that was still on the inside and he was a loyal friend. So he came back to help them escape. Mm. 
Orlek tried to enter the prison by entering the West Gate. Wilford recognized Orlek and blocked his path. And Orlek pulled a gun and shot Wilford. Wilford was able to pin Orlek to the ground as the other guards came to his assistance, but when they pulled Wilford off of Orlek, he was dead. Orlek was convicted of murder and was electrocuted within the year. Another time, guard Frank Hanger saw inmates sneaking out a back door and yelled, Stop! Two of the convicts turned to confront him. One grabbed an iron bar and hit Hanger. He fell to the ground as the other convict rushed in. They beat him with bare fists and the bar until hangers stopped moving. They fled the scene, but they didn't get far. They were all caught. They were taken back to their cells, but now they had a death added to their sentences. Both those inmates were electrocuted for the murder of um, hanger of the guard. In 1948, Robert Daniels and John West also decided they would return to Mansfield after being released. The return also brought one of the darkest events in Mansfield's history. Daniels was diagnosed with a psychopathic personality, and West, well, West was just known as a moron. <laughs> they had become friends in Mansfield with a shared enjoyment of crime and chaos. Ooh. They were paroled only a year apart and met again in July 1948. They decided they weren't done with the criminal life, and they walked into a local tavern and shot the owner dead and wounded a woman. Ooh. She was interviewed by the press and the papers, and she labeled them as mad dog killers. Then Daniels and West went on a spree. Berserker? Oh. Daniels was later quoted as saying, We love drinking, robbing, and hitting on girls. One night, in a drunken spree, they remembered a guard at Mansfield named Red, who they said abused them to no end. The night and drinks went on, and they decided they needed to get even with Red. So two weeks after the tavern killing, Daniels knocked on the door of John Red Nebel, who was the Manfield's farm supervisor. They took Red and his wife Phyllis and their daughter to a field. They forced them down on their knees, and then Daniels shot and killed them all execution style. Now, there's no report of how West, the moron, reacted to these murders, but he was there. Mm. The Van Wert County Sheriff came onto the scene, I guess while it was happening, and Daniel was captured, and the moron West made a break. Alone and not sure what to do, he ran, but he turned back and started shooting at the police. He hit a sergeant who fell to the ground, rolled over, and returned fire. He hit West right between the eyes, and West died on the scene. Of course, Daniels was convicted, and guess what? He got the death penalty. As he should have. Now, Movie Tone News interviewed Robert Daniels. In his interview, Daniels repeated his official confession. He said, quote, I just wanted Red, the abusive guard. I'm sorry the wife and daughter had to die. There was no rope to tie them up. After my score was settled with Red... I'd be ready to die. I haven't got it settled, but guess I'll die anyhow. Then Robert Daniels does what became an iconic wink to the audience, which stunned them. Now, this is on the movie tone. Oh, can you imagine how creepy that's got to make your blood just go cold? Ugh. One year later, Daniels was electrocuted in Ohio's electric chair, Old Sparky. Now, let's take a minute and talk about Old Sparky been housed at Mansfield since 2015, and you can see it if you visit. 
Operational from 1897, the first person electrocuted was William Haas, a 17-year-old boy. The last was 29-year-old Donald Reinbold in 1963. Both had been convicted of murder. Now, in the period between Haas and Reinbold, a total of 315 people, including three women, were put to death in Old Sparky. Now, all this didn't happen at OCR, but at the Ohio State Penitentiary in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. But the we just got the Old Sparky is kept now. Yes, now the muse- it is the, part of the museum. The hotel or the um, chair itself is now at the museum. The museum, yes. Yeah. However, any ghost hunter will tell you that things can be haunted as well as places. And if there was ever an object that could warrant ghost, it's Ohio's electric chair. Absolutely. Now let's talk about one of the more famous inmates of Mansfield. Before he became a prominent songwriter known for his take this job and shove it. He wrote that. An outlaw country music singer, David Allen Coe, served two stints at the Ohio State Reformatory. He also did time in the Ohio Penitentiary in Columbus and Marion Correctional Institution until 1967 for robbery and grand theft auto. Coe was in and out of trouble from an early age. He said he was first institutionalized at nine and served his stints at OSR as a young man. While some of those memories are certainly painful to him, Coe was able to make light of some of them. I had all my teeth knocked out by the guards with their sticks, he said. They, the medical staff, did an impression to make false teeth. But there was a problem. Coe was released from prison before his teeth were ready. I had to come back as a free man to get my false teeth, he said with a hint of indignation. Coe said he actually didn't mind his time at the reformatory. He was in an inmate band and focused on music. Well, the Mansfield prison remained in full operation until December 1990, when it was closed because of a federal court order. As a result of the prisoners' class action suit citing overcrowding and inhumane conditions, District, district Judge Frank J. Battisti of the United States District Court for the Northern District of Ohio ordered the prison closed by the end of December 1986. The closing date, however, was moved to 1990 due to delays in construction of the replacements facility, the Mansfield Correctional Institute, which, as we mentioned earlier, is just on the property next door in full view of the old prison. Most of the grounds and support buildings, including the outer wall, have since been demolished since the prison's closing. Now, in 1995, the Mansfield Reformatory Preservation Society was formed. They've turned the prison into a museum and conduct tours to help fund grounds rehabilitation projects and currently work to stabilize the buildings against further deterioration. The East Cell Block remains the largest freestanding steel cell block in the world at six tiers high. It is huge. It, it really, you, when you're walking through it, it feels big. Massive, yeah. Yeah. Over 200 people died at OSR, including two guards who were killed during escape attempts. There's a lot of death in one spot and attributed to one entity. This is why Mansfield has become known as one of the most haunted, if not the most haunted prisons in America. In addition to the warden's wife's ghost, the hanging ghost, and the burning ghost, people report hearing cell doors clang, seeing shadow figures, hearing footsteps and voices, and feeling the touch of phantom hands. Women especially will report being shoved violently or having their hair pulled. And there's definitely an atmosphere of spookiness in the prison, which is probably helped by the peeling paint and rusted cell bars. 
Throughout the year, you can take both regular and ghost tours of the prison. There are also public and private ghost hunts, although a private ghost hunt might run you up to $3,000 for a Friday or a Saturday night. Now, that includes access from 6 p.m. to 3 a.m. with pizza being served at 9 p.m. And that's up to 30 people. Yeah, Yeah, mm, well, pre-COVID, you could actually spend an entire night. So hopefully, one day that'll come back into play. Yeah, so I mean, if you figure on a private ghost hunt for 30 people... $3,000, $3,000, that includes pizza. That's, you know, 100 bucks a person. That's not too bad, right? I guess not. I'm, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> and now, just look at the list of TV shows, private ghost hunters, and documentaries that have been filmed and recorded there. The Ohio State Reformatory has been the subject of numerous paranormal investigation shows, including the Fox Family Channel's Scariest Stories on Earth and Scariest Places on Earth. The Travel Channel did a tourism documentary on the OSR, In 2005, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, TAPS, investigated the facility for the Sci-Fi Channel's TV series, Ghost Hunters. And in 2010, the facility was used for an episode of Ghost Hunters Academy. In April 2006, the horror thriller motion picture Fallen Angels was filmed almost entirely at OSR. WWE shot a promotional poster featuring Triple H for their 2008 Judgment Day event in the facility. And in 2009, the facility was featured on Ghost Adventures that we mentioned earlier. The National Geographic Channel featured the prison on the show Inside Secret America on Season 1, Episode 5 for their episode Ghosts in 2013. Ghost Asylum on Destination America in 2015. In 2016, the reformatory was investigated and featured on The Hambone Show. I've never heard of that show. I haven't either. David Allen Coe and the Moonshine Bandits recorded a music video for Take This Job and Shove It in 2017. Also in 2017, new metal act Moto Grader filmed a video for the song Dorian. And then a year later, on May 11, 2018, the facility was featured on an episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved. And then in December of that year... It was featured on Discovery Channel show Mysteries of the Abandoned in Season 3, Episode 10. So, lots of stuff. Yeah. So, in addition to all that, the paranormal shows being filmed at Mansfield, there's also an impressive list of movies that have been filmed at Mansfield. Harry and Walter go to New York in 1975. Harry and Walter spend some time behind the bars at the penitentiary when the prison was actually still in operation. That's crazy. Yeah. Tango and Cash in 1980. I'm surprised Ohio allowed that to happen. I am too. It must have been like in a part of the prison that was not operational. Yeah. Yeah. Tango and Cash in 1989. The facility was used for various prison scenes. Also, when the prison was still in operation. The Shawshank Redemption in 1994. The prison was used for a large panning scene in the warden's office, and an officer's quarters were used to shoot a sequence set in a civilian apartment. And that's what we mentioned earlier with yeah. the Brooks was here scene. Yeah. And Air Force One in 1997, the prison was used as a scene of the Russian prison for General Ivan Radic. The Mansfield Reformatory Preservation Society is currently working to restore the facility to its original state. Restorations to date include the removal of debris, replacement of roofing, complete restoration of the warden's quarters, as well as complete restoration of the central guard room between the east and west cell blocks. The restorations are being funded through donations and tour fees. The windows of the south side east cell block have been replaced, 
and all of the original stained glass windows that were in the building are planned to be replaced. Now, normally throughout the Halloween season, the building hosts a haunted house called Blood Prison. It did not do it this year. Um, Probably not last year either. The Ohio State Reformatory offers three types of guided tours. History Meets Hollywood, which summarizes the history and movie history. Beyond the Bars, which focuses more on the history and access to areas on the off-tour route. And the Inmate Tour, which is actually guided by a former inmate at the Ohio State Reformatory. Um, And as we finished our tour of the prison, there was a former inmate who frequented the gift shop and they gave him a chair and a corner to occupy and anybody was free to talk to him and ask questions. And he was actually very kind and very... Didn't he have a earth? book that he'd written? I think was so. Trying to sell and the book he was too? trying to sell the book. Yep. And he was just very personable, very nice. You know, he was just a guy that done his time, served his sentence, came out, became a productive member of society, as many prisoners do, um, and was just there to kind of talk about what it was like being in Mansfield. Now, I do want to say, if you ever do take a tour or go to Mansfield, it is in a very bad state of disrepair still. And I would encourage you, if you ever get the chance to take a tour, whether you want to go take a ghost tour or just a history tour, please do so. Because like we said, a lot of the money for the restoration comes entirely from donations and tours. It's a big place. Yeah, the state of Ohio is not paying anything to have it restored. It is a huge place. And it's going to take a lot of money and a lot of time to restore it fully. Um, but the restoration that they have been able to do, especially in the warden's quarters, which is where you really see a lot of the restoration, um, they've done a great job. So I can't advocate for them enough. If you get the opportunity, please go visit. So the Ohio State Reformatory currently hosts several different events throughout the year, one of the most popular being the Ink Carceration Music and Tattoo Festival, which is a three-day rock band show in mid-July. A few other of the events include the Shawshank Hustle, which is a 7K running race that goes past five filming locations of the, the movie The Shawshank Redemption, Murder Mystery Dinner Theater, which is written and acted out by the Mansfield Playhouse, the Mansfield Mayhem, which is a photography event hosted by the Professional Photographers of Ohio, and the Poor One Nine Beer Fest, which features... <laughs> I love that name because the area code for Mansfield is 419, and I think 419 is just the most clever thing ever. Yeah. Well, that features over 25 different brews and wines, which um, as well as live artists and food. And the Reformatory was at the setting for the 2017 Ink in the Clink Rock Festival that had three days grace, 10 years, in Kentucky's Blackstone Cherry. It was also the setting for the 2018 Incarceration Rock Festival, which we mentioned, with Chicago's Rise Against, A Day to Remember, Toronto's Our Lady Peace, Bush, and Fuel. Currently, OSR is open to tourists four days a week from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. from April 1st to September 2nd. They also have winter tours on weekends from February 2nd to March 31st, and holiday tours on weekends from November 23rd to December 23rd. Obviously, this time of year, good luck because everybody wants to go do ghost hunts during spooky October. They do a lot of private events. Um, this is their money-making season, so you're going to have to wait until you know closer to the end of November to go check it out now. 
But that pretty much wraps up Mansfield Prison. It's a great place to visit, no matter if you're there for the history and just a tour of what a hardcore prison was like, or maybe you want to see where a movie you enjoyed was filmed, or maybe you're there for the supernatural experience. Thanks, Rupert. And hope to see a ghost and or an orb. And I also want to mention, if you don't know much about paranormal and ghost hunting stuff, that's another thing that they have. They have actual like ghost hunting classes. You only have to be 13 to take them. Um, and they show you all the different equipment and stuff that ghost hunters use and explain what it is and how it works and how to use it and all that kind of stuff. So all kinds of neat things. So, I mean, if you've listened to us just a little bit, you know that I'm not a big fan of ghost and haunted stuff like Kim is, <laughs> but I really do have to admit it was a creepy place. It is, it is yeah. creepy. And honest to goodness, when I looked at the pictures I took in the prison, there were things that some might say were orbs. Now, I'm not saying they were orbs, but there were definitely spots of light on our pictures. And there was one picture that I didn't take. Like, it was just, it was like a picture of just a flash. And I I didn't take it. It was not a picture that I... And I deleted it from my phone because it was really creepy. Um, Maybe it was that guy in cell 13. No, it was actually up in the warden's quarters. And it the was... The warden's wife. It, I don't know, but it was just... It was like a picture of like a bright flash. And and that's all it was. And I, I didn't take... I, you couldn't tell what was supposed to be in the picture, but it was just like a whited out bright flash. The and I, I did not take it. It was the world's largest orb. I don't know. I don't know if it was if it was Helen trying to take a selfie. I don't know, but definitely a weird and creepy place that I can't recommend enough. And now we have an entire year to think about what we're going to do for Spooky October next year. I actually already have a couple of ideas. I'm sure you do. <laughs> but if you guys have ideas of what you want to see non-spooky things... Um, or especially with Christmas and the holidays coming up, you know, we've covered traditional Christmas things. We did, you know, our first Christmas, we did um, the Christmas in the trenches. So if there's anything that you would like us to research and uh, and do a show on, please don't be afraid to drop us a line. We would love to hear from you guys. We love to put out content that you actually want to hear um, instead of stuff that you think is super lame and boring. And as nerdy as it may sound, we actually enjoy reading and learning and putting this stuff down and trying to put it in our own words. Like we said on a, a couple of times, there's so many things that have so many different sources. We just have to go through and read a lot of different sources yeah. and then try to piece together the most accurate thing that we can piece together based off and we, what we read and see. And we're not perfect. Case in point, this very episode, um, I started doing research and I had all the, I mean, not a ton, but I had at least probably what, two pages of research done. And, and I you, noticed it you wasn't, came in and you're like, this is the wrong prison. Yeah. It you was, were, you were researching about the, the, state, <laughs> the one in Columbus, the Ohio state penitentiary in Columbus. And I said, I thought this sounded kind of not right, but I was like, maybe, I mean, it was the old civil war era stuff. So I was like, I don't really know anything about this. So maybe I'm just. I just don't know. We are expert trivia players. Uh, we're experts on nothing is what we're experts on. We just like reading. We, we, we do like good learning. At, we do good at trivia. We do do well at trivia. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So I think that's going to be it for series for a little bit. We're probably going to focus on a few one-offs here and there, probably. Yep. 
Um, but we really, really are trying very hard to get an episode out every week. Um, we're not great at consistently getting it out on the same day every week, but I think that we can probably safely say that we will get it out over the weekend every week. Yeah. We're getting least, there. We were doing so good and then we just kind of, eh, Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any travel scheduled again until December, so we should be yes. on track for a couple weeks right here. Unfortunately, like we've mentioned before, life happens, work happens, just yeah, things. Crazy day job gets gets in my way. It's both of us. I mean, we I was working weird hours there for a while, but things are straightening out and so we're, you know, we're getting back to where we love to be. All right, well... How do they get hold of us or how do they write to us? So the best way to reach us is via email at alosthour at gmail.com. You can also find us on socials. We have a Twitter. We have a Facebook. We don't really talk about that much. Um, maybe the Facebook. You do the Facebook yeah. a little bit more. Twitter, you, I mean, we have it, but we don't really look at it. Instagram, I do run the Instagram account and I love um, checking out stuff on Instagram. So uh, find us on any one of those platforms, but especially a lost hour at gmail.com is probably the best way to get us. Yeah. And tell your friends about us Mm -hmm. because if you enjoy these kind of stories, just tell your friends. I mean, I would hope it's a good way to pass an hour in the cars you're driving somewhere. And so if your friends ask, well, where do I find you can find us everywhere. We're on yeah. all the streaming platforms. And really, honestly, guys, we do love to hear from you. Even if it's, you know, something stupid of just like a, hey, I, I listened to the it. show today. I, you don't I, even I, say, see, you liked it. You could just say, hey, I listened to your show. That's great. We love that. So please write to us. We love it so much. All right. Anything else? I think that's it. Okay. So from our studios in Sugar Creek Township. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. Sources for this week include good old Wikipedia, MRPS.org, the Mansfield News Journal, and CountryThangDaily.com. And of course, our own recollections of the prison.